This is the Diamond Hogs Podcast with Mason Choate and Robert Stewart. Welcome to the Diamond Hogs Podcast. It is our Georgia preview episode coming at you on Thursday, April the 20th. Um, Cabo, welcome to the show. We've got a bit of a bit of a change of cast of characters today. Mason's on vacation, so I've got Kevin Bohannon with me, the uh, baseball recruiting analyst over at hogbeat.com. Uh, we'll have producer Christian Cheatham on later in the show. Uh, but, uh, Cabo, let's, uh, let's, let's talk some Arkansas ball. How we doing? How we doing today? Hey, doing good. And as Nick Lelouch said, um, I'm just here to help the team and good Lord willing, it'll all work out. I love a, I love a good Bull Durham quote. All right. Um, jumping right into it, shall we? Um, the, the big news after Tuesday night's win over central Arkansas, uh, well, I guess you could say one of the big pieces of news was that the home run streak came to its end, but, yep. uh, I'd, I'd love to, to lead off with Brady Tigert here tonight. Um, sounds like there is a good shot. He will be on the 27 man roster this week in Athens, Georgia, which gives him a very good chance to pitch. Uh, Kevin, what do we, what do we make of this news? Uh, it's, it's a little bit surprising to me. I was thinking next week at the earliest, uh, possibly the first week of May. So that's good. That means rehab went a little quicker than expected, and maybe the injury wasn't as bad as it was originally thought to be. So uh, that's good. Uh, I wouldn't get hopes up of a three-inning save or anything like that. Uh, maybe he gets in and gets an inning and gets his feet wet on the road. Uh, the way Brady is with his competitive nature, he's going to want to get in there in a high-pressure situation. He's already been in them at the University of Arkansas. So uh, – if they're uh, able to, I think they're going to get him some work this weekend. Uh, it, and it could be in a situation to where Arkansas is up by quite a bit or down by quite a bit. We've seen that happen already uh, in the regular season so far. So 11-4, a uh, good place to sit, go on the road, start the second half. So, yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm not really expecting a whole lot from Tiger this weekend. I mean, it would it would be great to see him at all, but – Let's let's say for the sake of this argument that he gets to a point where, you know, you can use him multiple innings, maybe Friday and Sunday. But but either way, you know, maybe get, you know, five, six outs out of him uh, on on a regular basis. Um, I'm curious, like, how how do you think that would affect the way they approach the starting rotation? Um, You know, does does Hagen Smith factor back in? I mean, yeah, I, th- I think that's the number one option because Hagen has been used as that shutdown guy that, of course, we've seen that. So you add another shutdown guy. So what do you do with the guy that was there? Well, you put him back in the starting rotation back where he is. So we've seen it play out already once this year at, you know, when we were, you know, two weeks ago when everything worked out just right and we were able to start Hagen in uh, game two against Ole Miss. So that that's the logical way to go now. Do they – because if they're able to do that, they cut down on another pitcher, though. Now, follow me here. So, Hagen has been able to bounce back really quick. You know, if he throws two or three, 50 or under, that that's the mark right now for Hagen Smith. If he throws under 50 pitches, I bet he can bounce back on Sunday, you know, on, on a day's rest. But – Brady can't Tiger can't do that right now. We're, we're expecting, you know, one maybe two innings. I think he's on the thirty to forty pitch count. That that's what I would assume. So uh, th- they're going to juggle it the best way they can. We do know that Hunter Holland will, will, will get the ball, and Will McIntyre showed that. You know, outside of Jared Dickey hitting home runs and from the leadoff spot, uh, the, the pitching staff. But Robert, the thing that I want worry about, and this is just me looking forward, six pitchers is not going to do it. And we've seen this happen before. Last year, um, we thought it was going to be deep, and then you get towards the end of the season, and it's the same five or six guys. So uh, it's the same story, second verse, third verse now, going off the 2021 season. So um, it's good. And, and I was posed the question yesterday of Zach Morris, and I know that we may talk about this here in a second, but – how do they get him going? Well, we saw last weekend when they brought Christian Fauci in that he's pretty far down in the pecking order right now. So if they want to get him some work, get him some work. Uh, we've seen he's only been in in blowout situations in midweek games so far, and that's just about the extent of it. He's just been in, you know, an inning eater when they need to get out, get an out or get out of a game somewhere. So, I think it'll be really important moving forward if they want to add Morris back in there that they do it 
strategically. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it does sort of feel like with Zach, the, the ship has kind of sailed. I mean, we, we, we heard for so long, you know, dating back to really the fall when, when even then he was, he was struggling, um, you know, Dave, Dave has a lot of confidence in him, but um, it, you know, it, it seems like it's run out. Yeah. And, and you got to give it to coach Van Horn and coach Hobbs, the fourth year guy, he got a lot of, he got a lot of rope. So, you know, they brought him in, this season and the, the first outing in Arlington went pretty good, three innings and didn't give up a whole lot. And then after that, it was downhill. So uh, coaches have always told me, and I, I picked up this philosophy, if you got an older guy and a younger guy in there, even you're going to go with the younger guy, whether it be in the field or on the mound. So the, those younger guys are getting their shot right now, and they're stepping up to the plate or to the mound, so to speak. Ben Bybee, Christian Fouts, and Gage Wood, they're becoming an integral part of this pitching staff. Yeah, let's talk about those freshmen because uh, you know Bybee, um, for for him to to show up on on Sunday and give you what three and a third, ten outs, yeah, in, in yeah. a spot start that was huge, especially after the way his last conference start went. Um, so you know that was that was probably a, a very encouraging development. Um, I, I know you're a big Gage Wood guy. We've seen him record yeah. three uh, multi inning saves his last three outings, and uh, and like you said too, Christian Fouch as well hasn't given up an earned run in conference play yet. I mean, those, those three, you know, like Hunter Holland was talking about it um, the last time he, he talked to the media or maybe it was Fouch. Fouch was saying that, that Hunter Holland, you know, sat them all down once, once they lost Tiger and once they lost Frank said, listen, we're going to do anything this year. Y'all, y'all have got to be the ones to step up and lo and behold, that's exactly what's happened. Yeah. At some point you look around the room and you're saying who's next. And then you start looking in the mirror because it's you. And that was the thing with Gage Wood. Gage always had the talent. And you can say that for Bybee and Fouch as well because, you know, all of them are big physical guys. You know, if you look at them, especially Bybee and Fouch, you know, they had the the, the broad shoulders. They're, they look the part. They don't look like freshmen out there. Maybe a little baby face. But uh, and, and the same with Gage. Gage it doesn't have the height that those guys have, but Gage is a solid 215. And I, I've always told people that he's going to remind you of Colby Suggs, and, you know, as far as far as his build and everything. So at, at some point, and, and I talked to Gage about this, and it was just the mental aspect of everything. Yeah, it was, well, I did. At, at some point you can't feel sorry for yourself. And, I mean, that's when – and he's always used the phrase, well, I got to go nut up and – he said that on the live interview. So, and there's t-shirts being made now. So um, that's going back to when he was 14, 15 years old, he's always believed in that. So he's always his biggest critic. And at the point to where he started believing in himself is where he, he took off. And we've seen that over the past three or four weeks for Ben Bybee. He was one I was really high on coming in because I knew the stuff was really good. It was just a matter of fact, matter of if it would play, in the SEC, uh, so and it, it has. He he's learned to pitch instead of just trying to throw it by everybody. And in high school, and we talked about this, you know, on drive time the other day. Guys are used to throwing over the middle of the plate because they can do that if they're ninety plus. Well, now you got to separate the plate into three different sections. The plate gets smaller, and if you're in front of fifteen thousand people, like you were in Arlington in Gage Woods' instance that plate looks really, really small. So it, it's a fact of trusting yourself, don't overthrowing, uh, believing, believing in the mechanics that you have, and you know, they're starting to do it. And Fauci's is doing it with two pitches. That's the most impressive thing right now because if, if you can start getting SEC hitters out with only two pitches, you got some really good stuff. Yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody talks about that splitter of his. You know, I can remember talking to Taven Josenberger after – It's uh, dirty. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've I talking to Tavian after uh, after a scrimmage and uh you know he was talking about how he how he hit a home run off him. You know, he's he's a two-pitch guy. I got two straight splitters. I knew I wasn't going to do anything with him, so I sat on the fastball and I <laughs> and I killed it. Yeah. Um, and, and and hitters will start to figure that out at some point. So, and it was like with Gage Wood, okay? You got a 95 mile per hour fastball, a 75 to 77 mile per hour curveball, and that variation causes the hitters a lot of issues. But if you can sit on two pitches and eliminate one, you're split timing. Now he's developed the slider. He's gotten a feel for it. I'm not going to say developed because he's always had it. Now that just adds something to the to the to the repertoire. Right. 
Uh, with with Gage, you you know, you were talking about him turning the corner mentally. That's that's something we heard heard Dave Van Horn say. You know, it it basically just sounds like he decided to be good. Like yeah, he, and, he, yeah. he decided he he was done he was done sucking. Like I'm I'm gonna grow up now and and I'm gonna be the guy out of the back end. Yeah. Coach Van Horn is big on. He tells us guys, look, you can't feel sorry for yourself. And I know they they preach that quite a bit. And at, at this point, you, you're a professional. And let, let's just throw amateurism out the window because these guys are playing on a high A, double A level, you know, field at this point in the SEC. It's just like playing pro ball. So what do you do going forward if you're Gage Wood? All right, well, I figured out how to do this now. Now let's take it a step further. All right, I was able to come in for – a third of an inning. Now I'm coming in for an inning. Now I'm coming in for three innings. Okay. Now it's about honing your craft and being the best at it you can because he's gonna try his darndest to to be the best at it. Now, and and I know we were talking on the message board yesterday, and everybody's looking forward to the future because I threw out a recruit, uh, you know, some recruiting talk yesterday on on the draft, and people think Gage is gonna stay in the back end of the bullpen. He's not. He's a starter like everybody else is by nature. But Gage was built for that. He's built to go six or seven innings. So uh, I think if, you know, 60 pitches is the max right now that he's, you know, been at so so far. And I think he could stretch out even further and be even more effective. All right. One last thing on the on the freshman here. Uh, let, let's talk about Bybee and his 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 role moving forward, because, yep. um, you know, they've they've been rolling with this Holland TBA TBA rotation. I think this is week three now of that. Um you know, we we can pretty much definitively say that McIntyre is going to get this the the middle game um, because that's how it's gone all year. Every week, yeah. Save save the doubleheader uh, right. in Oxford when when the schedule was thrown. Sick, out. yeah. But um, like Cody Adcock had been the 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 game three starter, but now I don't know if he has the trust of Dave Van Horn and Matt Hobbs to go out there as shown by the fact that he start he's starting these midweek games the last two weeks. So, you know, I mean, is it, is it safe to pencil in Bybee for, for game three at this point? I mean, I think you, what you've seen is a role reversal and you've seen Bybee was that first guy in the midweek. If you had two, he was going to go. And then you had Adcock for game three, you know, so you've seen that role reversal. I think with Cody Adcock, and I'll get to Ben here in just a second, but he's going to be better as a starter. I think it's a mental preparation thing. And there's a difference between coming out of the pen and guys that can get their stuff together really quick versus guys that need a lot of prep and need to get focused. So I think, you know, that's why I think they've used Bybee in a starter's role as well. Uh, They've used him a couple times out of the bullpen early on in the season, but uh, but I think they rely on the freshman right now because, as, as Coach Van Horn has said, you got to throw strikes. You can't give up the freebies because that's when runs and uh, losses start piling up. Yeah, for sure. So let's uh, let's let's shift over to the hitters for for a little bit. Another bit of news, um, not not exactly news, but we have a more definitive timetable. I feel like on Jared Wagner now, um, he's got a cast on his thumb. They put some pins in it to to sort of. Uh, maybe shore up that accelerated yeah. fracture. Um, but you know, he's he's gonna be out what Georgia, Texas AM, Mississippi State at the least. So, yep. um, they're they're hoping to get him back for that last home series against South Carolina. Uh, sounds like he definitely will be back before the regular season's over. They they finished on the road at Vanderbilt. Um, but I mean, the the big story so far is that Ben McLaughlin has stepped in just about seamlessly. I mean, he's not going to be that guy that is going to, you know, carry the team lead with 12 home runs and 44 RBIs. But um, for him to step in four starts since since Wagner's injury and have what six hits and including yeah. uh, including four against Tennessee in three games, that's that's got to be a good sign. So I think what you've seen is uh, a scene from Moneyball. And, okay, you lose Jason Giambi, what do we do? Well, we got to replace 38 home runs and 120 or whatever the number is. Okay, you can't do do that. You can't do it. So, what do you do? You replace him in the aggregate. That's what you do. So, McLaughlin's been that aggregate so far. And I thought we'd put Peyton Holt in right field, honestly, (laughs) for defensive purposes. But, you know, Diggs is getting more comfortable out there. He made a running catch toward the – foul line last night or fair line if you're Phil Elson. So um, 
you're getting to see that more that he's getting comfortable out there and McLaughlin stepped into that DH role and has allowed, you know, some of the other guys to be more comfortable too. And it helps that you have a little bit more depth this year, it, guys that you can plug and play. And, you know, I know we talk about Polk and Bolton, but you know, Bolton's done really good at shortstop lately. The, the defense has been there. And that's one thing that coach Van Horn has always said it, that my catching and my catcher and my, shortstop are going to be my two best defenders on the field, you know, Sands the center fielder probably. So, uh, yeah, McLaughlin. And, you know, I still like to see him play some third base at some point, but Callie seems to be, you know, finding his own over there and he's played pretty well lately. So uh, good to see Ben, ben McLaughlin back out there and swinging it. And, you know, talk about re- time, re- you know, recovery. He had surgery on what, February 25th and, um, you know, Month later, he's back out there hitting, and now he's in the starting lineup. Yeah, yeah. The twenty fifth was when he tore his meniscus originally, yeah. around first, and then you know, I mean, he was back by the end of March. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so just a month. Yeah, that that was amazing. So um, it's good to see him back out there. I, I love the swing. I love the stroke. I you know said it in the fall that it was going to be hard to keep him off the field uh, once he got in a groove, and he he's shown that. Yeah, he had he had a couple of opposite field knocks on. Uh, what was it? Tuesday. Um, Tuesday, yeah. Yeah. He, he, his, like you said, swing, swing looks very, very nice. Um, it, you know, that's fun too. Cause he can, he can go out there and be a two-way guy uh, on the midweek games. So yeah, um, Ben, Ben McLaughlin is, is a very fun player. He's starting to, starting to garner some uh, Shohei Otani uh, uh, nicknames around the, around the <laughs> press box, around the, around the clubhouse. So, um, you know, fun, fun for Ben McLaughlin, but, you know, I'm I think I'm I'm very much on board with the way they're handling Wagner's absence. Like you said, you know, Diggs hasn't been the best outfielder, but I think, you know, we've we've heard time and again that Dave Van Horn wants Diggs to be or he, he wants him to start playing outfield so that, you know, he can he can go pro yeah. as yeah. as an outfielder. Yeah, get get his resume built up. And that's what, you know. Coach Van Horn's not going to let professional scouts dictate his lineup, but he'll accommodate when he can. So sure. that's not going to hurt the team, and, and and I'll say that. So if the situation you know presents itself that look, Diggs can get some reps out there, he's going to do it. Um, and, and right field, you know, Kendall's a strong guy. You, you've seen the arm; he, he's very athletic. Um, I think the speed is one thing that's kind of underrated about Kendall. And it was a couple of weeks ago. I think it was, yeah, it was two weeks ago. He he had a triple out of the box. I mean, or he scored from first. Whether it be yeah, or triple at Ole Miss. Yeah, and I just it got down the right field line, and he got to third base without a throw. And I mean, that was pretty impressive. So um, it, it's going to get better. The more fly balls he sees, and right field's really hard because. You, you got to learn to re- read spin, and that's one of the big things uh, because even lefties that are you're, you're used to a lot of top spin and things going towards the line, they can they can put backspin on the ball to where it goes away from you towards the gap. And he, as soon as he learns to read it off the bat a little bit better, the jumps will get easier and the reads will get better. Right, and and with him, like you you know the bat's going to be a constant. So I think I think you know. Since since you're losing your best bat in Wagner, it makes sense to bring in a bat of your choice to play DH rather yep. than you know like Neville's a good defensive outfielder, but he he just hasn't gotten it done at the plate, and I don't know yeah. if this lineup can afford to to have another you know quote unquote automatic out at the end of it. That that's exactly right. So you know one through seven, you feel pretty confident about though any of those seven can produce at any time. Eight and nine, it's coin flip. And like we said, it's the catcher and shortstop. That's just, you know, the way it is right now. So, you know, last year you had a catcher that could swing it pretty well that hit in the middle of the lineup. That afforded a little bit, uh, you know, you could not have a Casey Opitz behind the plate in that instance. So um, Parker Rowland has done, you know, we didn't think he would be the guy. He's now the guy, and he's catching the majority of innings back there. Uh, Polk, uh, it's not, yeah, Polk. We'll get Hudson Polk. will get in for some defensive replacements late in the game, but even he's stabbing at balls now. So Roland has gotten comfortable back there. And he, the biggest thing, Robert, is he's got the confidence of the pitching staff. They can throw 
that 0-2-1-2 breaking pitch in the dirt, knowing that he's going to bail them out. And that that's what you have to do in this league uh, to put away great hitters. Right. And, and with Roland too, I mean, we had him on the show a couple of weeks ago. He, he takes pride in his defense for sure. You know, he's, yeah. he's a master of the back pick. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> I love the back pick. I love, I love cerebral catchers and I, I've had them, uh, Connor flag. That's at UCA right now. One of them, Joe Reed, that's at Crowder. Joe's having a phenomenal year. Uh, he'll be at a power five school next year, but those guys that will always take the opportunity to shut down a game to shut down a running game. And it's not just about being able to have a good pop time to second. It's about knowing and communicating with your first and third baseman of, Hey, we can get this guy. And, you know, we saw it with Casey Opus, especially even with the left-handed hitter up, he can throw, he can back pick a guy at first easily because usually, and you got to look into the psyche of base runners at this point. All right. I got a left-handed hitter up. He, the first baseman's going to hold and bounce and he's not going to be very far off the bag. But if I have a left-handed hitter up, I got a shield between the catcher. So if the footwork is exemplary, you can you, you can have a catcher that can make that back pick and we've seen it with Roland so far this year and I've uh, that pumps me up and that get that get, get a spark going especially if it's a third out of an inning, your offense can, you know, ride that momentum. Yeah, it has been for sure and you know this this wasn't a back pick but when when he finished off that strikeout double play, uh, oh, that was beautiful. To get McIntyre yeah. out of the 6th the other day. I mean, you you saw how how pumped Will was. Oh yeah, yeah. It shows the emotion, and it, it you know this the chemistry of this team, and we talked about it. You know, losing so many guys from last year, and and I talked about it with Jared Wagner. He's our guest every Monday on Drive Time. That how did the chemistry come together so quick? And I think, and he said we spent time with each other, and that was the thing. You know, and the ping pong table that's become you know a huge thing. You know, in the Hunt Center now, so. Uh, those guys getting to spend time with each other and know each other's habits because baseball habits relate to life habits in a lot of way in the way you live your life and how you go about your business, your off the field work, whether it be in school or lifting weights or getting your conditioning in. So those guys got to, you know, learn the ins and outs of each other. And it's made this team a lot stronger, a lot quicker. And in the age of portal and everybody transferring, if they don't get their maximum number of innings, it's a great thing to see. Right. You know, that was that was one of the questions we always ask the guys in the fall, um, you know, the the returners, the new guys, whatever. Um, you know, it's just it's a different team makeup from last year. And they were all like, yeah, I mean, it's a challenge, but we're up for it. We got a lot of new new names and faces to learn, but we're doing it. And I mean, you could tell that that was a challenge they they took on. And like you said, life habits, baseball habits, you know, they there's there's a common denominator there and and. That's that's how you get a, a team that's eleven and four halfway through the league league slate. So, uh, on that on that note, let's uh, let's let's discuss the state of of that lead right now. It's a game and a half over number one LSU, which considering you lost a series to him, it's got to feel pretty good. However, the Tigers have a very easy schedule down the stretch. Um, yeah, I'm pretty the sure. Hogs don't. Yes, the Hogs do not. They finished with two top 10, two top six teams, really, in yeah. South Carolina and, and Vanderbilt right, uh, as of this moment. Uh, but, I mean, you look at LSU, they got both Mississippi still to play, both Alabamas, and I'm pretty sure Georgia, all of whom are under 500 in league play. So yeah. um, it, it is going to be very tricky for Arkansas to hold on to this game-and-a-half lead and, and pull out the division. Now, you know, that's certainly not the end all be all. If you don't win the division, I'm, I'm kind of curious how much stock do you, do you put into something like that? Not as much as I used to, because, and, and, and I'll put it like this last year, they were 11 and four through 15 games and finished 18 and 12. Okay. If they were to do the same thing this year, I think it would be seen in a better light because there's a difference between, and I call last year a soft 11 and four. And this year, a hard 11 and four because they've earned it. And you can see that there hasn't been a whole lot of luck. Last week against Tennessee was complete and utter domination. They went out in every facet of the game. Tennessee sometimes at the at, at some point looked like they just did not want to be there. And the, the mental acuity really surprised me about that bunch. And I said the same thing to you and Mason two weeks ago at Ole Miss. Yeah, the dugout was raucous, and 
you you know they're always chirping and talking but it just didn't look like they were excited to be there they you know and when you're losing the home crowd's not as big and you know you go through all of that but you know but Arkansas's always been in tune they they they're they're tuned up they're they're in step with each other so they look like they're there now what does it mean going forward if you finish 7 and 8 you're at 18 12 i don't think they'll do that because you know I, th- I think they'll, you know, at least go nine and six down the stretch. So if you're looking at a 20 and 10, that's your two and three. That's the goal at the beginning of the year. Coach Van Horn's like, if we can take two out of three on average every weekend, that's 20 win in the SEC. That's a top eight national seed, especially this year when you've got five out of the top six teams, no matter what national poll you look at. So that's going to put them in a spot. Were they expecting LSU to fall off and have some injuries? No, because LSU looked like a machine and a robot. You know, and they thirty-five robots on their staff on their roster this year. So uh, they've had some injuries. Uh, Floyd went down, and then their top reliever went down too. So uh, they're going to struggle moving forward. Will they still hit? Of course, they're going to still hit. Tommy White was one of the national players of the week last week. So uh, Dylan Cruz and company—they're going to be all right offensively. Arkansas just has to play their own game, and they've got some tough road games. Georgia's not going to be a cakewalk this week. They've got some really good guys in that lineup and then Jaden Woods I swear I've known the kid yeah you know, I feel like I've he's been at Georgia for 12 years now just because I've known him since he was 13 and he was throwing 91 for team elite down there in Atlanta so uh it's going to be a struggle but th- these guys have found a way to dig deep at certain times and just like Tuesday against UCA it wasn't the best game Arkansas played this year and they found a way to win because they keep putting pressure on the other team. If you can put pressure on the other team and that's, you know, that goes back to money ball. If you put the ball in play and you're not striking out a whole lot, like Arkansas, they've cut down on strikeouts this year. So put the ball in play, good things happen. Yep. There you go. Um, yeah. Like you said, uh, you know, average, average two out of three every weekend and and you'll be good. They're, they're one game ahead of schedule right now. So they, uh, they have, they have the uh, wiggle room to to lose a series and it'll be okay down the stretch. All right. I got a couple of Georgia questions for you and then I'll, I'll get you on your way. But um, Dave, Dave told us Tuesday night that they're, they're thinking they might see three left-handed starters. Now, yep. ordinarily that would be a, a big scare uh, to, to Arkansas and its fans. Um, you know, that was, that was a big problem last year. You know, the inability to hit the Southpaws, but I was looking at the splits this morning Uh they're they're hitting 320 against lefties compared to 282 against righties. So yeah, you know, that that looks like a really good thing for for the Razorbacks coming up this weekend. Yeah, and I think it goes back to you know better pitch selection and pitch discipline. You know, plate discipline. Uh, those guys, especially you know, you look at like a Brady Slavens. He's not having to chase that uh, curveball slider away as much. Those guys, and you have better contact hitters, especially Josenberger at the leadoff spot, McLaughlin. Now that he's in the lineup. Those guys from the left-hand side, they're, they're doing a little bit better with the ball. And, and Parker Rowland's a, you know, better from the left side than he is the right, I believe. So j- just in the times that I've seen him hit, uh, he looks more comfortable from the left side. Usually that's the way it happens. So, um, you know, moving the, and the pitchers are, are a little different for Georgia when you're talking about Liam Sullivan and Jaden Woods. Uh, Sullivan's big. He and the Arkansas faced him before. It's it's not going to be a surprise. They're going to have a good scouting report on him. So uh, nothing overpowering. Uh, Woods is going to compete though. He he was a bullpen guy his freshman year, uh, and then got spot starts last year. And now he's in the rotation this time. So, uh, but he's going to compete in the zone. And Arkansas has been really good about jumping on fastballs and fastball counts. And I think that's what they're going to really preach this weekend. If they can get good swings on the, on the ball and they'll take advantage of it. There you go. Uh, Charlie Condon's the last thing I want to ask about. Uh, He's a, he's a freshman. Seems like he's just tearing it up over there in Athens. Um, I mean, what do you, what do you know about him? And, you know, the, the, the Razorbacks need to need to maybe pitch around him this week. Yeah, I I don't think they'll pitch around him. They'll be strategic and make sure that Condon doesn't hurt them. So, uh, Georgia coming into the weekend, they've got 65 home runs. They're hitting about 290. So, they're right in the ballpark of where the Razorbacks are at right now. Um, It's not a deep lineup in terms of guys that can hurt you. So, you're you're not going to see, you know, dude after dude like you are at LSU or, you know, even Tennessee last week, you know. But Arkansas executed pitches in in certain counts. So, well, how, how do you not let a Charlie Condon beat you? You 
you limit his opportunities. Okay. So be, and like I said before, being strategic about not let when runners are on base, uh, making sure you're, you're smart about it. Uh, he's 17 home runs. He's hitting over 440. Uh, he's, you know, up in the top two or three for freshman of the year in the sec. Uh, but behind that, you, you got a guy like uh, Connor Tate. He's been there for a little bit, but then it really drops off. They've only got three guys hitting over 300. So, um, like I said, limit the opportunities that uh, Condon can do and move on to the next one. There you go, uh, Kevin. Any any anything you want to you want to finish off with? Floor is yours. You know, I, it's it's been a good season so far, and I think Razorback fans are kind of waiting for that Arkansas moment of. Well, it's just not our time. Enjoy it and enjoy this this run that this team is on because this is a blue blood program now, and it, it's because of the high school kids in Arkansas being proud of where they're at. And you got some homegrown kids in here, but you got some rental players also that really love this university. And we talked about that last year. These guys that come in bleed Arkansas red and they love where they're at and they're going to play and they've adapted everything that they can about being an Arkansas kid. So uh, I'm looking forward to the second half of SEC play and getting these guys into a regional and, and, and being a host in the postseason. Hey, without a doubt, man, uh, never, never take good baseball for granted. I listen, I'm, I'm going home to DC to watch the, the lousy nationals this summer. So, uh, <laughs> it, uh, it, it's it's nice to to watch a winning program like like Arkansas for so long. All right, Kevin, thanks for your time, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, Rob, thanks for having me. Yes, go Hogs. You're listening to the Diamond Hogs podcast with Mason Choate and Robert Stewart. And the Diamond Hogs podcast rolls on as producer Christian is in the house with me. I have changed locations since the last time uh, since the last time I was talking to you, but. Here I am in Atlanta on my way to Athens in the morning. Uh, Christian, welcome. Glad to have you. Thanks, Robert. How was your flight? Hey, the flight was good. Uh, it, it was quick. Uh, did a lot of writing. Didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it. And thankfully, I didn't need to. <laughs> good, good. All right. Yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited to be here. Uh, no Mason today. So now we get to run the show, man. Yeah, yeah. No, no, you know, interruptions from Mason and saying mean things. You know, it's great. Hate that guy. <laughs> anyway uh central arkansas let's uh you're you're a big midweek guy so let's let's talk about this midweek game before we get into georgia uh arkansas takes down the bears of uca six to three powered by a three-run bottom of the seventh inning um the home run streak is over christian it's dead 32 games that's it yeah 32 games flew by but no it was it's it was bound to happen in a game like this against like UCA or Little Rock. Like, of course, it, the streak would end. Um, but in the in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. It's fine. You know, it's it's cool. It's a cool stat to keep going. Uh, but 32 games is really, really impressive. Um, so, yeah. But, I mean, thankfully they won that game because I know you're probably going to get into it. But the seventh inning, if that doesn't happen, it, it could have been a lot. Cl- who knows what would have happened. Yeah, for sure. You know, I I thought about asking Dave Van Horn what he thought about the the home run streak coming to an end, but it was like, you know what? They they won the game. I'm sure he doesn't really care. And so, uh, it, you know, this, something else that he probably tease, something else he probably tease you about, right? Like like yeah, you said, yeah. just just not important in the grand scheme of things. So, uh, yeah, UCA strikes first. Cody Adcock gets the start. Worth noting yeah. that that's his second straight Tuesday start. Um, so. I mean, I feel like, and you know, we can we can discuss this a little more later too. But is is the Sunday job Ben Bybee's at this point? Like, it, it kind of feels like it. Cody Adcock goes four, hits a couple of guys in the second, gives up a run. Hogs get those runs right back, thanks to five singles, RBIs from Harold Cole and Tavian Josenberger. Uh, and then there was really a duel for a while. Parker Coyle worked a couple of scoreless innings. Uh, UCA shut down Arkansas for for four, and then uh, and then the seventh happened. the The first and only home run was was a, a UCA home run tied the game at, at three in the seventh, and then uh, two out chaos there in the bottom of the seventh. Uh, Brady Slavin's beating out an infield single. Although I don't know if it's fair to call that one a single because the shortstop who was on the right side of second base ran toward second base to get 
the third out there, but he could have just thrown it to first base and got the third out with plenty of time to spare. Uh, that seemed like a fielder's choice to me, but regardless, heads up base running by Kendall Diggs to get home from second on that play. And uh, yeah, what else happened? The the RBI walk and the wild pitch. So uh, put put the pressure on with two outs and good thing ha- good things happen. Yeah, I know. Slavin's coming in for a, str- a struggling Jason Jones, who had two Ks in the game at that point and a ground out, I believe. Um, yeah, it's just not clicked for him quite yet this year. Um, who knows? He might get a late resurgence and he'll probably be he'll probably have like a big moment in the regionals or something. Who knows? But yeah, it was a good, good move to get Slavin's in there and they survived. They got through the win. It's all that matters. Everyone seems to be healthy. Um no uh no hairline fractures and thumbs uh as far as we know hey that that's always a plus two scoreless from Cor- from christian fouch and uh one one from austin ledbetter got him to save um yep. jason jones by the way has signed to play in the cape cod league over the summer so uh that that seems like a great great uh time for him to to really step his game up and come back much improved as a sophomore next year yeah, yeah, that'll be good for him just to kind of get away from the chaos that of that is SEC and Arkansas baseball. Uh, just get away, go play some Cape Cod ball, meet a lot of cool guys. I'm sure. So, I hope I'm sure he'll come back better next year. You know who raked in the in the Cape Cod League? That's Jace Borfin. And look, yeah. look at him. Yeah, Borf, he's nasty. Oh yeah, he just he finds batting average finally dropped below 400. So, <laughs> Wait, season's over. Season's over. Yeah, we were joking. Yeah. With Dave Van Horn after the presser was over yesterday, uh, I think it was I think it was Andrew Hutchinson who said, "You know, Dave, his his average is under 400. You're gonna have to bench him." He goes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he's he's been great, and I'm sure that he will. I, I don't know if you've asked him or anyone's asked him, but I'm sure he would attribute getting to play some summer ball. I'm sure that helped him work some stuff out. Uh, I'm I'm sure it did. When I when I talked to that Padre scout man, he was he was all about the fact that uh, that he played in the Cape, and that was that was the first year. He's now played two years there, so yeah, uh, good good for Jace Borfin. Uh, all right, I mean, do we need do we need to hit, hit anything else on Arkansas before we move to Georgia? You you had some more midweek stuff stuff you wanted to talk about. Yeah. I think it might be fun just to talk about it real quick. I'll, I'll try to go as quick as I can. But um, so Arkansas won our midweek, which is great. A couple of the teams of the SEC didn't. One of them being Vanderbilt, LSU, and Tennessee. So Vanderbilt lost to Indiana State 10-2. to Surprising. If uh, I'm sure most fans are keeping up with the scores around the league, but 10-2 to is surprising, losing to Indiana State. Um, there was a big three-run home run in the fifth that broke it open, and Indiana State was winning 9-0 to at one point until the seventh inning. Um, and apparently Indiana State and Vanderbilt have kind of built up a little rivalry. Uh, I think 2015 was the first time that Indiana State had defeated Vanderbilt. And then last year, uh, Vanderbilt won eight to seven in extra innings. So there's a little bit of a rivalry, rivalry going on there. Um, I know they've played in regionals before. Yeah, no, Indiana State is a good team. They're good. They're 11 and one in conference play and they've won 11 games in a row overall, all competition. So they're, that's a really good team. So, Tough, tough midweek matchup for Vanderbilt, but probably shouldn't lose to them still. 13th and in then, the RBI, by the way. Indiana State. Indiana State, really? Yeah. Wow. Well, that they're a good ball club. Yeah. They're good. That's a tough loss, but it's um, but yeah, anyways, yeah. Uh, another one. LSU loses loses to the Raging Cajuns, uh, eight to five. So, I mean, taking down the number one seed. I was watching the highlights this morning. Um when they finally finished and closed it out, their closer is like pumping his fist and screaming. Like it's a huge win for them. And it's a huge win for anyone to be at LSU. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Tommy White went four for five. Trey Morgan went two for five with a homer. Like, and it was just their pitching was just awful the other night. And, um, but yeah, so that's just an interesting thing to note. I'm trying to think. I had one more note on this. Um, they hit two home runs. Louisiana did against LSU. Um, and yeah, and I, I oh yeah, during when I was watching the highlights, like they were diving, going all out, like trying to make plays. So like they were really, really wanting to win that game and they ended up doing it. And then, oh yeah, this is the other thing. So in the fourth inning, there was this was like the changer, the changing moment of the game, but there was back to back fly balls to left and then to center that uh Cruz and Morgan dropped because they lost them in the clouds. Back to back. 
yeah, back-to-back fly balls, one to left and one to center. And that changed like the whole game because it gave him a couple runs and then they ended up winning. But yeah, like that was like, I was watching the highlights and it was just like a weird, like they both were just hands in the air, had no idea where it was. And it, I think the second one faked the cameraman out because he was looking like at center and it dropped like in the middle of the two, the center and the left fielder. So that was funny. Um, and then the last one, Tennessee Tech defeats Tennessee. This is probably Mason's favorite midweek surprise. I, I was about to say, what a shame he's not here. Uh, yeah. But before uh, before we go into this real quick, uh, I've got the RPI up, so I want to I want to bring these numbers up. Tennessee Tech. Uh, here here we go. Tennessee Tech uh, entering yesterday, or mm-hmm. whatever that midweek game was two seventy seven, jumped up to two sixty three. So very very uh, tough loss for Tennessee. So tough that it dropped them from twenty three to forty one in the RPI. Wow. One game. After they just got knocked out of the top 25 after this weekend, right? Is that Didn't they get knocked out after they lost to Arkansas and then it dropped them down another 20 well, or so? Is that- they, they were at 23, so they, oh, okay. I don't think they quite fell out of the top 25. Got you, got you. Okay. But yeah, so that's four losses in a row, though, for Tennessee. And um, they also used 11 pitchers against Tennessee Tech. Uh. We I, I can't remember if we discussed this last time out, but uh, I I heard from our friend Ryan Schumpert, uh, who who came to to Fayetteville to cover the series, uh, that you know when when the Vols are out of a game, Tony Vitello will just put a guy in for one inning and call yeah. that getting him some work. So yeah, I think I think maybe one pitcher threw thirty pitches. Everyone else is under thirty, so I'm sure they once they kind of realized this was getting out of hand. Uh, Vitello was just like, all right, let's just get everybody work tonight because it's not looking good. And uh, it doesn't get any easier for Tennessee because now they're facing Vanderbilt this weekend. So good luck. You you just hate to see it. Such such <laughs> a shame that such a shame that we can't include a Mason rant on this episode. I know he would he would be so happy to be here. You you what what you could do? <laughs> you you could uh, you could pull his move with Hutch. Just call him. See what's up. Just call him. Oh yeah, you got any thoughts? No, I'm not gonna bother him. I'm not gonna bother him on vacation. But no, he's not. That's right. He's in St. Louis, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. went to the Cardinals game. But yeah, so that is our midweek madness around the SEC. Hey, I like the alliteration, Christian. Good bit. Good bit. Yeah. All right. Um, Moving on, then we have uh, we have Georgia to discuss the the Razorbacks opponent in Athens starting Thursday, Thursday through Saturday series. I always love one of those. Have Sunday off. Yep. Um, so Dave Van Horn told us the other day that, uh, you know, Georgia, they've really just done nothing but hit, hit home runs. And, uh, that's about right. They, uh, if I can pull this back up, they are sixth in the conference in hits. Hmm. Is that accurate? Yes. 365 hits. That's six in the conference. And their 65 home runs are also six in the conference. So, wow. They do a good job of hitting and hitting home runs. What they don't do a good job of is really anything else. Uh, if you look at it, their on-base percentage is 13th in the league. They're one of six teams under 400 in that department. And it's because they have the fewest walks in the conference. Um, so this is uh, this is not really a Georgia team that appears patient on paper. Um, so, you know throw strikes and either get hit hard or get contact outs. That's, that's what it looks like to me. Yeah. They're as far as their, their hitting goes, they're very, very top heavy. And it's probably one or two guys that, and I'll I'll let you get into it if you want to pick a few players, but they're, it's like one or two guys that matter at all. And then the rest are kind of in the two hundreds already two fifties. Yeah. I mean, there, there are three guys that, that, uh, you know, jump off the page, so to speak, at me. Charlie Condon, chief among them. I talked about him a little bit with Cabo, so hopefully you, you get the vibe with with what his deal is. But if you look at his conference numbers, his OPS is thirteen sixty six. I mean, yeah. what on earth? He is he is the SEC's leading slugger. Uh, yeah. Do, 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 where is it? Nine oh two. Yeah, nine oh two. He's the only guy in the SEC slugging above nine hundred. That's better than Jack Caglione from Florida. Better than Dylan Cruz, wow. And Wyatt Langford, who is also a top ten, you know, projected pick. Um, this guy, Charlie Condon, freshman, by the way, if I haven't mentioned that, very, very, very good. So it seems. I wonder is he someone that's on a, like a transfer watch list? 
or is or is he going to stay faithful to Georgia? Because the one thing I did notice with like some of their top players is like they've been here for their whole career, so he might be loyal. But yeah, well, he is from Marietta, Georgia, which is which is okay. in a suburb, I believe. So I mean, yeah, yeah. So he's probably sticking sticking in for the long haul. You you would think so, but yeah, like you said, um, certainly with their pitchers, I recognize a lot of them from uh, from twenty twenty one when when the Bulldogs were in in Fayetteville. Uh, Jaden Woods who, by the way, got bumped from their starting rotation. Talked a little bit with Cabo about him. Liam <clears> Sullivan <throat> is their game three guy. Uh, and I don't think I recognize the first two names. But, yeah, I mean, this is, like you said, sort of a veteran team. Like you, You'll you recognize some of the names from, from the last time the two teams met two years ago. Yeah. All right. Uh, who else are the hitters that we need to talk about? Will David hitting 386 in conference play. Seems noteworthy. OPS almost a thousand. Parks Harbor, mm-hmm. Parks Harbor is his name. Uh, is the only other three hundred hitter on the team during league games. Um, so, yeah, I mean those those are the three bats to look out for. Uh, at least that's that's what I see on their stats page. Is that is that what you see? Yeah, the, the only other guy maybe uh, Will David uh, infielder. He's played in thirty three games. He's hitting three hundred. Not a lot of homers, but 14 RBIs, 10 doubles. I mean, he'll be someone to look out for. But besides that, you hit the yeah those three of the other guys that I was thinking of as well. All right, cool. Uh, let's uh, let's get into the rotation here. The, the pitching statistics very bad, very very bad. <laughs> um, stat leaders, pitching leaders, earn run average. Georgia six point three two, team ERA. That is good for thirteenth in the conference. Only Auburn is worse. Uh, so. If uh, if I were a betting man, I might uh, might might go for the over during some of these games this week. Um, let's see, Colton Smith. Um, you know, we heard we heard from Dave Van Horn Tuesday that he was thinking they might face three different left-handed pitchers uh, starters this weekend. That's not going to be the case. Colton Smith is a righty. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Jaden Woods was bumped from the rotation. He had started all five weeks, uh, but he's not going to get a chance to do that this week. Um, it's because he had a 7.36 ERA in conference. So I imagine imagine that'll get you booted. Um, Colton Smith has started one game. Uh, it was, you know, he, he got 10 outs in that game in against Auburn opening weekend for them. Uh, he was it opening. No, not opening weekend because Arkansas played Auburn opening weekend. Second weekend. He only he only went three and a third. Um and his only conference appearance since that was two scoreless innings against Florida last week, which no small feat, but it also wasn't a start. Uh, mm-hmm. Charlie Goldstein. This is this is the name that I find interesting um, based on what he's done recently. He is a lefty. Um, he his last three starts. He's he's he and Woods are the only guys or no, that's not true. Regardless, uh, Charlie Goldstein, his last three starts, he's given up three earned runs in i don't know 14 and something innings i didn't write that part down but the three opponents were florida who is number three kentucky who has been ranked i don't know where they are right now and vanderbilt who is currently number four so two of those top teams uh on the road two of those top five teams on the road uh in those three outings he's got a 1.84 era 1.16 whip so this guy Charlie Goldstein is really, really throwing it well over the past, over the last three weeks, and then Liam Sullivan is another one of the names you might recognize from 2021. He is a lefty. He has been tabbed as the game three starter. 7.71 ERA, WHIP over two. Opponents hitting 3.33 against him in league play. So this is a veteran for them. Um, he started five games, but he's averaging just over four innings per start. So. Um, they, I don't know. Georgia just doesn't have the pitching. I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I mean, if if Arkansas keeps swinging hot bats, then it, it, it's going to be a field day. Who did they have last year? Didn't they have a, a solid ace last year or the year before, maybe, that ended up getting drafted? Yes. Oh, what is it? I know it who you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. You're going to have to have <laughs> some time while I look up their 2021 roster. Fill up some time. All right. Uh, did you say you wanted Kentucky's record 
in SEC play? What is Kentucky's ranking right now? Oh, ranking. Oh, yeah, let me pull that up. I got that ready, too. Jonathan Cannon, that's the guy's name. Yes. Yeah, he was good. Uh, Kentucky's 13 based on D1 baseball rankings. Yeah, that's 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 the one we want. So, uh, yeah, all, all the more impressive for um, – what's his name? Not Liam Sullivan. Charlie Goldstein. Goldstein, yeah. There you go. So that's the that's the uh, repertoire for for the Georgia starting rotation. Again, keep an eye on Jaden Woods. He's been there a while. Doesn't have great numbers, but I would expect that he's going to get a shot to pitch at some point this weekend. Yep. Now, um, do I mean do we need to hit on, on anything else here before we go into game times and send them, send them off? I guess. Uh... No, we can wait till the end if like to for the last couple little things. Do you want to jump into Arkansas pitching pitching predictions or pitching rotation? Oh yeah, we we gotta do we gotta do predictions. Um, but yes, first of all, uh, the rotation will be staying the same. Hunter Holland, TBA, TBA. I'm gonna, I mean, don't count this as my bold prediction, but I'm gonna go out and say that you'll see uh, Will McIntyre and Ben Bybee, unless. Ben Bybee. The the one caveat to that is Hagen Smith doesn't pitch in the first two games, then he will start Saturday. Oh, well, I I think he's definitely going to come in after Holland on on Thursday. You would think, but if it's like, you know, a a big big margin, then oh yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, if it's a close game, then obviously he'll come in and pitch two or three innings to to close it out, and then right. we'll save the rest Friday Saturday. Exactly. I think I think Bybee has won the job. I, I I it kind of kind of snuck up on me personally. I don't know about you guys, but it kind of was like he kind of just stole that job from anybody really. I mean, I guess Cody Adcock kind of had it before him, but I think I think Cody Adcock just lost it really. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but but Bybee just ended up just filling that role perfectly, and he's looked pretty solid the last couple of weeks. So right, I I'm interested with with Bybee to see how he handles this this next start whenever it comes. I mean, I'm expecting it'll be Saturday, but I, I want to see how he handles it because if you think about it, um, you know, he got six runs of support to work with uh, in the first two innings against Tennessee. Um, right. You know, he he stranded four runners in those first two innings, which was huge. But, you know, if it's a if it's a higher leverage situation, how does he how does he respond to that? You know, we haven't, yeah. we haven't seen him. I guess thrive in in those situations yet. Um, you know, you yeah. look back to to when they played Alabama. He got the first two hitters looked flawless, and then gave up about five straight base runners. So, um, I I I'm sort of with you on that. Like I think I think it's Bobby's job to take. Um, but you know, I I think he could I think he could lose it just as easily. So I don't know. Yeah, I think that la- that last spot is definitely just like kind of a revolving door. Whoever's hot, whoever's feeling good or healthy, even. So, uh, speaking of health, do we want to talk about any players coming back or anyone not coming back this weekend? Well, I mean, we hit on Brady Tiger uh, with with Cabo, so um, okay. you you'll have to to rewind to the start of the episode uh, for that. <laughs> yeah, what about Wagner? Wagner, uh, he will be out at least the next three weeks, possibly four. So Was that press conference the other day. Yes, uh, he saw a hand doctor on Sunday, I believe, and the procedure was he, he's in a cast right now. So that's that's the thing with him. Uh, he had some pins put in his thumb, which is a fairly standard procedure, and uh, they'll just have to you know keep him keep him active and in shape so that he can, you know, as soon as it comes off, he'll be ready to go again. They're hoping South Carolina, but definitely Vanderbilt. Okay. Oh yeah. So South Carolina. Oh yeah. By the way, South Carolina will be our last home home series. Yeah. It's the season is wrapping up very quickly. It kind of, it's kind of like it's flown by definitely. And it's like, we got Texas A&M next weekend, South Carolina, and then Vanderbilt on the road, and then Hoover. It's like it's so it's almost here already. It's almost regionals already. It's like it's it just feels like uh, I don't know. It just feels like the other day I was in Omaha, and it's already here again. I know it, it moves so fast, man. Um, 
you know, this is uh, we, we we talked about this at the end of the interview with Cabo, but this is this is good baseball and and it's moving fast. So, you know, appreciate it while you can, because boy, does it like you said, boy, does it sneak up on you? Yeah. And also, I just want to say this as well: how to watch this weekend. So we got Thursday SEC Network, Friday SEC Plus, and Saturday SEC Plus. Six o'clock Central on Thursday. Five yep. on Friday. Two on Saturday. Two so Eastern. Top of my head. Oh, it's two Eastern? Yeah, so it'll be one Central. That's, oh. at, that's at the Razorbacks uh, website. So it's 651. I was going off of the uh, wallpaper that they released a while ago at the beginning. Oh, yeah. of the <laughs> so they, they must have moved that game up an hour. Good to know. Oh, maybe they did. Yeah. Okay. Let me, let me refresh and check it again. All right, yeah, it's the same thing I said. Okay. <laughs> okay. Bold predictions. Bold predictions. How bold are we going to get for this one? You want you want to lead us off? You have one. You have one, or do I need to? I See, need I think to... I might have. No, I didn't write anything down. Um, I think the easy one is a series sweep. Um, but then it never happens whenever we do it, so I don't know. We'll see what happens this weekend. I, I think that is fair, honestly, because like like I said, Charlie Goldstein, their their middle game guy. I I think yeah. he's I think he's the real deal. Um, you know, that's <laughs> that's coming from somebody who hasn't watched him throw the baseball ever. But you yeah. know, based on what he's done against three very good teams the last last three weeks, I'm I'm convinced that if the Razorbacks are going to lose a game, it's going to be to him. Yeah, and then no Wagner for a second weekend, so they handled it fine you know, against Tennessee, but Tennessee is kind of scuffling. Georgia is also scuffling as well. So maybe we won't, it won't matter at all, but. Yeah. Georgia enters this series four and 11 in league play, which is an inverse record of Arkansas. So uh, they, they have won three of their last five though. They, they swept Kentucky in a doubleheader and then won one out of two in Gainesville last week. So yeah. Uh, make of that what you will. I think, they, I think, a, I think sweep is a bold prediction. Another a sweep is a bold prediction. I, I think that's fair. Yeah. And then as far as like an individual, um man. I think uh, who's gonna go the longest, I guess, out of Holland, McIntyre, Bybee. You know what? I kind of feel like we could see seven out of Holland on Thursday. Yeah. And then maybe Hagen doesn't get used because they don't need him. And then Hagen might start Saturday. Maybe. Maybe. Um, I I think I think I can I'll, I'll say seven innings for Hunter Holland. That's my bold prediction. I think regardless, he will he will go the longest of the trio. But uh I I think uh I think it's gonna be a big big Hunter Holland day on Thursday. All right. Yeah. Cool. So that does it for bold predictions. We've talked about how and when the when to watch the games. Yep. I feel like feel like that's it. Yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else real quick. Um scrolling as fast as I can. Looking Subscribe around. to hogbeat.com. Yes, do that. Do that. Um, yeah, and then I guess just get get some home game tickets. There's only two more home series. So that's after not that. Good. What's that? That's nuts. I I, I still no, it's crazy. can't believe it. It's crazy. And then after that, it's Hoover and and hopefully regional. Long shot, but super regional will be crazy. And then uh, Omaha. So I, that's that's something we can mention. D one baseball today uh, released uh, a a field of sixty four. Let me let me see if I can pull this up real quick. I believe yeah, yeah. I, I believe Arkansas was their projected four seed. Okay. Do, 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 do. Come on, come on, come on. Here we go. Arkansas projected four seed. The teams in that regional would be Dallas Baptist, Texas Tech, Sam Houston State. Very Texas heavy regional. I feel like we always get predicted with Dallas Baptist, like every year. Yes. I see them every year. <laughs> yes. But and then so, so four seeded Arkansas is paired up with 13th seeded Texas in the Austin regional. So that, that happens every year too. Yeah, yeah. You're right. I would love to see it. I want it to happen, but yeah, I know. I feel like that was like two years ago when Melendez was still playing there. That was like the predicted one. It was like we would match up with Texas in the regional or something. 
Well, yeah, de- definitely last year, like when when it became clear Arkansas wasn't going to host, that was not, not, not two years ago. Yeah, last year, last year, it was it. It seemed like it was either going to be Austin or Stillwater, and ended up being Stillwater. So, anyway, yeah. um, the 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 Arkansas Texas postseason baseball it's it's been uh, it's been elusive since since that one College World Series game in 2018. But uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully, maybe this time around we'll be the one. All right. That'll that'll do it for uh, for this episode of the Diamond Hogs podcast. Thank you all for listening, tuning in. Uh, we we appreciate your support as always, and we will talk to everybody Monday morning to recap this Georgia series. You've been listening to the Diamond Hogs podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Chote Mason and at Dr Stew Thirty Two.